looking for the king of podcasts, you're at the wrong channel. Looking for good ideas for life, you are far from good hands. If you think the listener is always right, you are far from the right place. Hosted by a Northeasterner by birth, a rebel by choice. If you want a host that floats between love and madness, then play on and listen to Crazy Train Radio. What up? Excuse me while I whip this out. Oh, gnarly! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. I'm surrounded by assholes. And good evening, friends. With over 30 years of experience and a superb reputation for being a detail-oriented company, Lacey Cleaning has some of the highest work standards in the cleaning business. That's the fact! Whether it's carpet cleaning, tile, grout cleaning, new construction cleanup, rental turnovers, vent and duct cleaning, odor elimination, office and or business cleaning, power washing, residential cleaning, you name it, they do it. Check them out. To contact them today, LaceyCleaning at gmail.com or call them at 609-709-8536. That's what I'm talking about. Hi, I'm Grant Fuhr, and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio. Hello out there, we're on the air, it's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. Here across the street, uh, I won't say where from the national, but uh, people who are attending the show will know exactly where we're at. Uh, I'm sitting here with Hockey Hall of Famer. Grant Fuhrer. Grant, how you doing? How's the show going for you? The show was good. It was actually a lot of fun. Uh, and I know, how often do you do these type of shows and whatnot? Uh, I'll probably do, this year I'll probably do three or four, but normally I only do one or two a year at the most. Yeah, well, I guess as far as this is concerned, this type of show and whatnot, when you're meeting and greeting fans, uh, what's the most, or what's the strangest thing you've uh, ever had come across signing for fans? Um... Late night you sign some interesting things, but at the shows there's some different cards, different pictures, that sort of thing, and a lot of it that you've never seen, so that's the fun part of the shows. Yeah, well, do you uh, get a chance to wander around and see anything for yourself that you'd like to take, a, or do you collect stuff like that? Or? You know, I don't really collect stuff, but I like to wander around and see the different stuff. I mean, aimlessly roaming through there today, there's some stuff from Augusta, which anybody that's a golf fan likes to collect, so that interests me when I go by it. And it's funny funny to see some of the old cards, some of the black and white cards, and just all the neat stuff that there actually is out there. Oh yeah, that's for sure. Uh, a couple of years ago, I know you came out with a book, uh, The Story of a Hockey Legend, 
Uh, you told a lot of your story, obviously. The good, the bad, the ugly. Uh, when was there a... Uh, was there a realization while writing the book that you finally felt comfortable with sharing your story and everything? Yeah, we were always comfortable with it. It was just, we never really thought, we never really thought about sitting down and writing a book. No? But we had lots of people ask if I'd ever do it, and some friends that were writers and such that would, said they'd write it if I'd sit down and talk to them. So, Bruce Dowbigan used to be my neighbor in Calgary. I asked her to play in, and Bruce had written a bunch of books, and so we finally sat down and had a couple of conversations and it turned into a book. There you go. Uh, and look at this, the lovely wife uh, bringing coffee, which is a good thing. <laughs> Sometimes. Well, well, uh, no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> no, that's okay. Join us, feel free. Uh, is what lovely life Lisa is joining us. Uh, you know, we'll go off track here a little bit since Lisa, can, can I throw a question for you as well? Because uh, I was going to get this a little uh, further down the line here, but, uh, you know, obviously people are familiar with your husband, uh, the hockey player, the Hall of Famer, the, this, that, the other, the celebrity. Uh, what would actually surprise people about Grant that most might not realize about him? Do I have to answer that? <laughs> no, no, you do not, And but, you know, I figured, why not? You're here, we'll throw it out there. <laughs> Well, would there be anything that would surprise people to learn about it? Like if we were at a dinner or a glass of beer, you know, just casual, not, you know, in the sports setting or in a show setting. Okay, you were asking a woman that knows nothing about hockey. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, the only way I learned about hockey is marrying him. That's it. So, so. so it was that charming personality that uh, won her over, right? We're not yeah. sure what it was, but I'm going to go with that for now. I yeah. thought he was a golfer when I first met him, so. Well, you know, hey, hockey players tend to play golf, and we know he spent a lot of time on the golf courses. I resemble the golfer part of it now. <laughs> yeah, hey, nothing wrong with that. Uh, but obviously, back with the book and all, uh, and you were talking about feeling comfortable and all. Uh, did a little reading on it and all, and one of the most interesting parts for me, at least, was you talk about the summer of 86 being life-changing for that. I believe it was the loss of your father, or was it professional as well? That kind well, of it was kind of a bad up? summer between dad passing away, the Steve Smith goal. I mean, that didn't really make for a very good summer, but at the same time, it refocused everything. So everybody kind of has a different mission the next year, and team-wise, we had a different mission. I personally had it was a little, probably a little more focused. So everything works out for the best. Well, obviously, as a goalie, you know, that's probably, hockey-wise, I would say, uh, the most mentally challenging position on the ice. Uh, how did you try to, obviously, people are aware of demons and all this stuff, but, you know, how do you get that mental break to go, okay, you know, you know when you, once the game was over, you know, you go home, whatever, your kids, all that fun stuff. Well, I think... It's mentally challenging if you make it mentally challenging. I mean, some people look at what happens if I fail. I like to look at it as what happens if I succeed. So it's not life or death, it's still a game, and you have to enjoy it. And I think looking at it that way, it allowed me to enjoy it, and it also allowed me to leave it at the rink when the game was over. Yeah, you know, work's work, you're able to 
you focus on it. You're allowed to be mad and unhappy with the way you played until you go to sleep. You get up the next day, there's nothing you can do about it, so why bring it back up? Were you, were you uh, one that uh, critique yourself uh, hard after a game, win or lose? Yeah, it's probably my own worst critic. But I think you'll find most guys that play at the National Hockey League level, or at least the starters, are the same way. You critique yourself, and then at that time we didn't have goalie coaches. So, you, one, you get to coach yourself. Two, you get to critique yourself. Or you can read the newspaper the next day. They're pretty good at critiquing you, too. Yeah. But did you have a, that's a good point. Did you have a problem with uh, people who never played the game critiquing the game? No, not at all. I mean, they can critique it, but until you've actually put the equipment on, it's completely different. I mean, I've known some people, that, good friends of mine, that threw on goalie equipment and they're amazed how heavy and how hard it is to move around in it. And that's back when the, well, all the pads and everything were heavy. So it's fun when you put somebody who looks at the position, likes the position, doesn't think it's that hard, and you put them in that spot, and they actually get to witness it, how much different their opinion changes. Now, I think of the, and if I'm wrong, say so here, uh, as far as the goalie's concerned, I compare it to like a catcher in baseball, where there's a lot of mental preparation and all that stuff uh, to prepare. Uh, would you say that is true in terms of prepping for a game? Like you said, at the time when you played, there wasn't a goalie coach, but as far as scouting and trying to read every day, if you it's, weren't familiar with a team? It's similar, but at the same time, it's reaction sport. I mean, baseball, as a catcher, you get to call the game pretty much. Yeah. You know what's coming, whereas as a goalie, you don't know what's coming. You have a general idea as to where it's going to come from, but there's no real set rhyme or reason to it. So... It's more reaction than what baseball is. Uh, would you would you say uh, that because of maybe the direction they were skating at you, or how would you uh, clarify that? Well, the easiest way to read it as a goalie is players don't want to get hit with a puck. So if they're moving one way, you, the puck's usually coming the other. Very few of the guys, there might be in the 20 years I played, maybe 10 guys that would stand in front of you and might be willing to take a puck. Most of the guys would get out of the way. Yeah. So by their reaction, you can pretty much figure out where it's coming from, even if you can't see it. Well, uh, you brought up a good point about the equipment and stuff, and you've coached uh, in more recent years. It's been a couple of years, but uh, what's the biggest difference in the goalie equipment that you've noticed? I think how light it is. I mean, the equipment, the padding's gotten better, and as it's gotten better, it's gotten lighter, and as it's gotten lighter, guys are wearing it bigger. Obviously, bigger makes you better. Uh, such a guy like uh, Lundqvist or a uh, Brodeur, what he was. Yeah, he was a big guy. Stood up, if I'm uh, correct on that. Marty was the last of the stand-up. Yes. So, I mean, that's, there's a good comparison between Marty and Lundqvist. Is, Lundqvist is more of a drop-down, block-the-puck guy, whereas Marty's kind of an old-school catch-the-puck stand-up. But they're both extremely good at what they do. Obviously, I was uh, interested to uh, read about some racial tensions, unfortunately, uh, playing professional hockey. And, but you also were a trendsetter. Uh, how would you describe uh, looking back uh, at your career as far as being a trendsetter? I think I was lucky to play in Canada my first 10 years, more than anything. I mean, there wasn't really any racial divide in Canada. You were a hockey player first and foremost, and that's anybody, the only way anybody saw it. Coming to the States, it was a little bit different. It's a little different to adapt to, but at the same time, you don't treat it any differently. You just go about your business and play. And, you know, never really worried about being a trendsetter. You just wanted to be the best player you could be and let everything else fall into place behind you. 
Well, was that, did you catch grief more so from like the fans and the audience, or was it like guys you played against? No, the guys you played against were great. Everybody was cool. The guys were good. They give you a hard time regardless. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's within athletics anywhere they're going to... Yeah, but pretty much about anything but that. So you're used to that. Fans, on the other hand, could be a little harsh sometimes, but you expect that when you're going into a visiting rink too. Yeah. Uh, I was discussing this with a couple guys. Uh, we have a few former uh, professional athletes who stayed close with the show over the past couple years and whatnot. Joe Theismann from the NFL, and, you know, guys from different sports and whatnot, even some musicians. But mostly in the sports, they always kid and joke about, at least with us anyway, they have something called kangaroo court. Did you guys have that? Every, I think every sports team has kangaroo court. Some, some version of? Oh, yeah. Even my son's baseball team right now, they've got kangaroo court. So it's just something where the guys hold each other responsible for silly little things where you get to have a lot of fun doing it. It uh, relieves a lot of tension, that's for sure, right? Well, it relieves tension, but it also makes the guys close. Yeah, and I think if you look at all the good teams over the years, the best teams are always the closest teams. And you see the teams that struggle now; all the players are individuals. It's not built as a one-dimensional option. Well, so, do you think the money is a uh, issue with that? It's part of the difference. Everybody's become a single business. Yeah. So now they're looking at individual numbers instead of looking at what's best for the team. And what's best that, for me? Kind of. It's now me instead of the team, which has changed the dynamic of sport. Well, uh, obviously, yeah, well, you've played with some pretty good guys throughout your career when you played. Not a some bad, guys that, you know, uh, Messier, Gretzky, and others. A couple guys that were, you know, pretty good. Not bad guys. No. Uh, would you say those two in particular were the best players you, uh, see, you played with or against? Definitely. I mean, they were obviously both great leaders. Both in different ways. I mean, Ness was more your vocal, physical leader. Gretz just led by example. But to have them both on the same team, obviously, is part of the reason we were good. And part of the reason we were good is because they were all about the team first. It wasn't individual accolades or anything else. It was all about what's best for the team and how do we make the team better. Well, uh, obviously, you said you only do uh, one or two shows a year, sometimes three. What, what do you do? Uh, what are you doing with yourself nowadays? Most of the time I'm running around playing charity golf tournaments, helping to raise money for different foundations, that sort of thing. And then when I'm not doing that, I run a golf course back in Palm Springs. Okay. Uh, so good excuse to play every day, like the uh, wife said there? <laughs> it's, a, it's a good excuse for me to be at the golf course. I may not play every day, but I like being there every day. But not, nothing like the uh, fresh uh, smell of uh, cut grass every morning. It's a beautiful thing. All right. Well, I got, I'm thinking about it getting off track here. Uh, do you do... Uh, you're a Carl Spackler from uh, Caddyshack? Or no. uh, you're Ty Webbs? No, 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 no. None of that. <laughs> yeah, you're we're not just, a... No, we're just happy to get out and play every day. So uh, so you're not a serious guy. You're out there having I, fun. I enjoy my time on the golf course. I find that to be my little sanctuary where you're outside, you enjoy the weather, and I enjoy a little bit of competition still. So it's just a fun place for me to be. Yeah, yeah. We hide from Lisa. We won't say what. <laughs> and, I, of course, Actually, I'm getting... She, she joins me on the course. Well, I'm, I, I got a look there, so... When I'm at home, I get to play with him. Sometimes. So who's the better golfer here? Oh, of course, by far, yeah. I'm on the golf course every day oh. before golf. Oh, boy. You know, one of the interesting facts I did read about you, and I was, I guess, you know, 
way too young to understand it because I'm actually going to be 32 tomorrow, unfortunately. I might have you by a day or two. Yeah, so, maybe four. <laughs> yes. It uh, was interesting because I didn't, didn't realize it at the time but learned it later on was the 75 uh, consecutive games. Uh, obviously, that we talked about the mental toughness and breaking point and all. Did you find that, like, wow, I didn't get a night off here? With, you know. I enjoyed it. I mean, at that point, going into St. Louis, they'd already decided I was old and had written me off. So to be able to play every day and enjoy playing every day and for staying healthy that long, I think was fun. Because I was probably 35, 34 years old at that time. So for goalie, that's you're starting to creep up in years. And, to be able to do that, and then I think I played 76 in a row and 79 that year, and then played 75 again the next year on so a reconstructed knee. So, well, that's a good point. Uh, how are you feeling physically overall? Because obviously there's a lot of movement, diving, and just so much as a goalie. How are you feeling now? It's my pay penance now. I mean, I had a knee replaced a couple of years ago. I'm getting a shoulder replaced later this year. So I'm paying penance for it now, but I wouldn't trade it for anything. Hey, you know, you got paid to play a game you love, you know. I'd have played the game for free, so well, you get paid for it, it's a bonus. Exactly. Uh, final question for you. Uh, you played in a couple of different towns, like you said, St. Louis, Edmonton. You know, you we're in a couple stops in a couple of different places. Obviously, Edmonton, I would think, has a special place in your heart with five rings and all. But is there a particular area that you really, or town that you really enjoy playing for? I think other, well, Edmonton was home for me too. Yeah. Born and raised there, so that helps with that. But I really enjoyed St. Louis. And St. Louis was a bigger version of Edmonton, where even though they had baseball, they had football, they were still a hockey town. And that surprised me a little bit when I first went there, is that I figured that the other major sports would probably be bigger, especially because the Cardinals were coming off a World Series. The Rams were good at that time, so thinking that they would be more popular, but the Blues have a fan base there that most people don't realize. And obviously, for those hockey fans from the Philadelphia area who uh, may or may not uh, be old enough to remember, but I do know it, uh, knowing people uh, in the hockey world. St. Louis Blues used to beat the shit out of the Flyers back, which created the Broad Street Boys. And yeah. People know the story as far as the Flyers franchise is concerned. But Gas Offs were in St. Louis. Yes. Plagers. Yeah, there's a mean rivalry. Oh, yeah, that's for sure. But, you know, I, I know I said the last question there, but I was thinking about uh, what you said. Edmonton being home, grew up in the area and all. Was there more pressure for you to play well in Edmonton, being so you're a hometown boy? It's pressure if you see it as pressure. I thought it was fun to play at home. You get family and friends, so you know you've got a friendly crowd every night. And they have expectations for you and hopes for you. So you want to be good. But at the same time, if you let that enter your mind and worry about it, then it can be a bit of a burden too. And Edmonton's a city where they want you to be accountable. It's not just good enough to go in and put time in. They expect you to put 110% in and be successful doing it. So, yeah, there's a little bit of pressure there, but it's yeah. also a fun way to play. Yeah, and like I, myself, I can speak for myself. Growing, originally born and raised in Philadelphia, we start the show in Orlando, as Lisa's know, from, you know, chatting back and forth and all. But it's the same way in Philly that we expect, you know, you may not be the greatest or whatever, but we expect you to put your hard hat on and go out and do your job as best of your ability every day. So oh, yeah. The great part about Philly is they will let you know if you're not putting what they think is 110%. They have no issues here. They, they will tell you, as you know, coming in 
all those years, you know. Home team, visiting team, Santa Claus, doesn't matter. They'll let you know whether things are going right or not. It, well, and it makes you make it sound like Edmonton was the same way, that they would let you know that... They'd be happy to tell you. They have no problem interrupting dinner if you're on a night out or whatever, letting you know if you're not playing well there. They want to know why. And that's okay. They're yeah. accountable that way. Yeah, you know, hey, you know, it's, it's the job you do, right? That's what's changed in sport. The accountability's kind of snuck away a little bit. And I know I mentioned it earlier, I think you agreed with me a little bit. Is that because of the money and the celebrity status and all? Some of it's the status, some of it's the money, some of it is it's just the different makeup of players' mentality now. Back then, as a group, you didn't want to be the guy that let the team down, whereas now it's more individuals trying to play as a group instead of a group trying to play as one big hole. Well, did you uh, have an issue with that coaching when you coached uh, a few years there in the NHL? Uh, trying to get everybody to come together naturally. It's hard to get guys to understand it. I mean, everybody sees they want individual stats, individual stats. This guy doesn't have great stats. But at the end of the day, there's only one stat that matters, whether you win or lose. And that's the part that people have a hard time seeing now. Yeah, and you got got uh, six total rings, one being a Hall of Fame ring, but five you know, with guys who truly played together and tried to play as a team, and it showed. We had a good group of guys that treated it as a family more than a team where the guys all cared about each other, we all spent a lot of time together, and you all wanted to win for each other. And that's what made us so successful. You know, um, I know I keep saying it, but I think of uh, the 88, or I think it was 88, in the late 80s there, when you guys played the Flyers. Ron, Heck, Ron Hextall, as a goalie, who's now their general manager and president and all. Tell some bitch yeah, on good. the ice. Hex was good. I mean, it's funny. Everybody thinks he's a mean person. No, uh, complete opposite. Ice, he's one of the nicest people you'll ever meet. He'll give you the shirt off his back, one of the best guys I've ever dealt with yeah, as but, a person. But when he played, he's a competitor. Oh, yeah. And it was all about the game and what goes on with the game. When the game was over, he was fine. Yeah. But it, once it's on the ice, it was all business. Yeah. <laughs> we were good friends. We were actually partners in the Canada Cup the one year. So it was, it's fun to see Hexley in a management position. Yeah. Because you know during the games he's going to be frustrated as could be, but away from it, He's such a great person. And he's got a good head for the game, too. He's you got know. a really good head for the game, and he's great for the community. Oh, uh, like, like you said, he, and I don't kiss ass much, but he's one of the nicest guys you ever come across. In my, I don't care in what walk of field. That okay. guy will give you the shirt off his back. What, what can I do for you? You know, just A great guy that people doesn't real, don't, they don't realize how good he really is. Yeah, he's, it's nice to see him home. In a sense. He's where he belongs. Yeah. Yeah, he went to L.A. They got a couple of cups out there, you know, when he was working there. But, but everybody's going to remember him as a flyer. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to see him home and trying to do good for the community. Yep. So, Grant Fuhrer, thank you so much, sir. It's my pleasure. What's up, Doc? I'll tell you what's up. Based out of Atlantic City, New Jersey, Geek Time Entertainment runs exclusively along with different events in the area to strategize with their partners who will benefit with increased exposure and patron traffic. Geek Time Entertainment will work with your event in increasing the event's traffic via social media, radio, and storefront advertisements. Holy cow! Also, they will help increase business for your company and event with different sales incentives. Duh. Whether your event will be small or even mid-scale, Geek Time Entertainment is the group to work with. That's what I'm talking about. Contact them today 
at geektimeentertainment at gmail.com or facebook.com backslash geektimeentertainment. Oh my God, who the hell cares?